Welcome to the Precision Medicine Podcast, where experts come to discuss the problems oncologists, reference labs, and payers face as precision medicine grows and consider solutions for advancing the quality of patient-centered cancer care. Welcome to the Precision Medicine Podcast. I'm Jerome Madison, Vice President of Provider Relations for Trapello and one of the hosts of the Precision Medicine Podcast. Today, we have with us the Vice President of Public Affairs for the Personalized Medicine Coalition, Christopher Wells. Chris, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Jerome. Appreciate it. Now, we met at the PMC conference at Harvard Medical School, and it was, in my opinion, a think tank of the real key opinion leaders for personalized medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about the mission of the Personalized Medicine Coalition and the work that you do there? Sure. PMC, which is comprised of uh, all of the stakeholders throughout the healthcare system, essentially comes from the assumption that a paradigm shift in medicine will not happen just because the science and new technologies underpinning what we call personalized or precision medicine are rapidly coming into existence. And the fact that they hold great promise to improve both patient care and the health system itself. So what we do as an educational advocacy and evidence development organization is we're, we're focused on ensuring that policies and practices in public and private sectors pave the way for personalized medicine. So the mission is to accelerate investment in personalized medicine and encourage its adoption throughout the healthcare system. So that's sort of been PMC's reason for existence uh, since it was launched in 2004, and it remains the same today, although our, our focus on education and advocacy has expanded a bit to also include evidence development. Yeah. There was a number of, I was just amazed by the number of, I guess, subject matter experts in different fields that came to the conference, not only clinicians who treat cancer patients every day, but also people who advocate for, as you said, you know, policy for precision medicine on the Hill to investors. When you put together a conference like that, what do you look for to put together the experts on these panels? The goal of the conference is to explore the issues in personalized medicine that are surfacing in science, business, and policy. So when we put together the conference every year, we're first off looking to tackle those issues. So the first step is to identify those issues, and PMC is well positioned to do that, given that we um, are a multi-stakeholder organization, as I mentioned, focused on advancing personalized medicine. So what we do is first identify the issues facing the field. And from there, we look for and actually work with throughout the year, many of the individuals who are attempting to tackle those issues and attempting to solve the challenges that stand in the way of a version of healthcare in which patients and doctors not only talk about what disease the patient has, but also which therapy will be most appropriate for them. So Again, it sort of starts with our understanding of what the issues in the field are, and we build from there. So once we have a, sort of a list of the issues and a description of the panels we want to put together, we ask ourselves the question, who has proposed big ideas in this, in this area and whose 
work, which organizations work, are really driving progress in this area. And so that's sort of how we go about it. And, and our goal, as always, with the conference and with the rest of our work is to be inclusive of multiple perspectives so that we will not come up with solutions that are a sort of a way to advance one particular group of institutions business model, but that cut across multiple business models and show us the way forward for patients because they're at the center of everything that we want to do. Certainly. So as the vice president of public affairs, as you just mentioned, you have to be well-versed in the many different aspects of how we advance precision medicine. You know, what are, why are you so passionate about the work that the coalition does? And kind of give us a glimpse of, of your background and kind of where you came from and, and going, coming into the work that you do for the organization today. Sure. Well, I'm actually trained as a journalist originally. Um, my undergraduate degree was in journalism and I, I went to a small state school in upstate New York and did a degree in journalism and worked in journalism for quite some time. So um, I think among other things, journalism gave me a, a relentless sort of focus on learning and extreme intellectual curiosity. And after that, I went on to get a master's degree in public administration and did some research in um, public communications. And when I finished that up, I I moved to Washington and and was um, looking forward to getting involved in a nonprofit organization with some big ideas that I thought could influence the world and society as we know it. And personalized medicine fits squarely into that criteria that I was sort of looking for. And I think what continues to drive my passion for my work and uh, the reason I want to be here is that I sincerely believe that the technologies and the science and the therapies that are underpinning personalized medicine are suggesting that we can make healthcare better again by having a version of healthcare in which patients and doctors are talking about which therapy is going to work best for that patient and making decisions not only based upon what disease that patient has, but upon who that patient is from a biological standpoint, from a societal standpoint, and from a personal standpoint and emotional standpoint. And I believe in the coalition's mission, and I believe that it's true, that unless we align the rest of our health system, our business strategies, our policies with the science, the transition to personalized care is not inevitable. And in every year, um, as PMC has shown through 2017, the number of FDA approvals, it's about 20% of, of all medicines are personalized medicines. It actually exceeds that 20% threshold. And it's been that way for the last of four years. And our preliminary look at what's going on for 2018 suggests that that trend is going to continue. And so again, recognizing that drugs do not work the same way in every individual and that that's been a fact of medicine for the duration of history and that we now have an opportunity to answer why and to tailor our healthcare accordingly, it's safe to say that I don't want to be anywhere else until we are across that finish line and are able to achieve that goal. And I'm sort of committed to it for as long as that may take. I know there's a lot of people a lot of people who are happy to to hear that mission and hear the passion that you have. How old is the organization? How long have you guys been doing this work? So the coalition was formed in 2004. That year is significant in part because it is the year after the um, National Institutes of Health completed the first sequencing of an entire human genome. 
So it was formed in 2004 on the heels of that announcement and on the assumption that that information based upon the genome and now sort of expanding into the, the proteomics, metabolomics spaces um, would and has great potential to improve patient care and the health system itself. You know, so Chris, I started in the, in the what we call now the precision medicine industry for the first company that had any type of molecular offering. And I'm amazed at how precision medicine has changed in the past three years, let alone the last, yeah. you know, 15 years. For the conference itself, how has the conference evolved since the beginning and what has surprised you most since you've been involved? Yeah, so the conference actually was started by Partners Healthcare Personalized Medicine, the group at Harvard itself, healthcare system at Harvard. Its inception coincided with the launch of the Personalized Medicine Coalition. So PMC has played a, a valuable role in the conference for the duration of its existence, but we began actually taking over all programming for the conference in 2016. And I've been involved in that work for the, the last um, three years. So, so really, I think my perspective would be shaped mainly by, by just three years, which is actually amazingly, it's plenty to see sort of the evolution of where we came from to where we are. So, and I think in terms of what has um, surprised me the most, it's really been, the answer would be the science. I mean, I mean the, the evolution from where we were even in 2016, where we really weren't thinking about gene editing and some of these other genomic applications like um, the CAR T-cell therapies that are transforming sort of the conceptions of certain cancers, treating certain cancers. We did, those things were not on our sort of... Um, we were aware of them, but they weren't front and center for our agenda in 2016. You know, and you sort of fast forward to, to now where we're starting to look at the 2019 agenda and they're shaping that agenda. They're a key component of everything we do. And another trend that is really transformed that from a scientific perspective would be artificial intelligence, whereby again, three years ago, that was sort of a, we were aware of it, we were tracking it, but we were not, um, you know, actively um, incorporating that into everything that we do, but now we are. And then, you know, other trends include things like digital health, but, you know, I'd say that the science and in particular, the three trends sort of intersecting trends of gene therapy and gene editing, artificial intelligence, and also um, the rapid development of genomic sequencing technologies would be sort of the, the three driving forces of the, the last three years that have really transformed how we look at the conference. Yeah. So this year's conference was was titled Preparing for the New Possible. And I got to tell you, it, it was just well done from the welcome reception that was at the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, which is great touch, by the way. That's um, great. Thank you, Jerome. Really appreciate yeah. your feedback. The panels were amazing from artificial intelligence to gene editing that you just talked about. Diversity. You had, my goodness, you know, CEOs of drug companies, venture capitalists, they all came to talk about preparing for the new possible for the scale and access to precision medicine. But what were some of the big aha moments for you at this conference this year? Yeah, so I can, I can sort of share, um, you know, I think uh, as I do, I, I prepare the conference materials and am responsible for the conference content. And it's sort of amazing to see from the perspective of when I'm sitting in the audience, what comes up as the key concepts. And I, I sort of would like to list a few of them. I mean, 
During the second day of the conference, Peter June, who's from he's the global head of value-based partnerships at Amgen, noted that we have science and medicine and technologies that are far outpacing a structure that was set up in a completely different era. And I remember when he said that, that really clicked to me. And everything we had been talking about at the, leading up to the conference and during the conference was sort of his, his remarks gave us a framework within which we could put all of that. And so that was one, you know, sort of important aha moment. And, and I think that really there is some trends, sort of some themes that came out of all of the discussions that I would highlight. The first is which that the pharmaceutical industry is increasingly developing personalized therapies. And that's in large part because they offer a transformational benefit that traditional therapies can't do. I was, I was impressed upon by um, Daniel O'Day, the CEO of Roche's comments that that this is the case. If you target the population, um, it improves the transformational benefit of the medicine. So that was key. Another takeaway message was that I was really impressed and excited and, and motivated by the patients who noted that they're concerned that the field cannot move fast enough. And sort of those are the people who are waiting for what we're trying to do. And, and that was, I think, a really a theme that really became central to the rest of the conversations. You know, and other things that we learned, I think, are that the, the barriers, especially in diagnostics, which are essentially the linchpin of everything we want to do in personalized medicine, the barriers have to do with policies as opposed to the science. Uh, and a lot of the people there sort of were amazed at the scientific opportunities, but more discouraged and, and or, or perhaps not discouraged, but more um, focused on improving the, the policy landscape so that those technologies can get to patients. So I was yeah. impressed upon by that, and that was a, an important takeaway. I mean, sort of the last two concepts that really stood out when I, when I think about this question are um, the idea of evidence generation. We have to be able to generate evidence that demonstrates that this stuff works and that personalized care has clinical and economic utility. And, and that really, I think, was shining loud and clear at the conference. And then finally, the last thing I would highlight is the reimbursement question. I was found that to be an important part of the dialogue. And again, all of these things sort of wrap neatly into the idea that the health system that we have is not prepared for the science that is emerging and it just really spoke loud and clear as the conference kind of, you know, each of those topics were brought to light, that each of them were in tension with the health system itself. The science is colliding with a system that is sort of one size fits all still. Yeah. For those who are out there listening, how can they get in touch with you? Can they connect with you on LinkedIn or is there a website where they can go learn more about the Personalized Medicine Coalition and also the conference is coming up in 2019? Yeah, so the um, domain names for both are pretty simple. It's personalizedmedicinecoalition.org. That's our um, organization's website. And we do um, have contact information in the about section of that website through which somebody could email us for more information. And then in terms of the conference itself, it's personalizedmedicineconference.org. So we're trying to keep things simple and accessible for people. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned that the takeaway, the undertone of all of these conversations was how can we get insurance companies to routinely pay for them to, number one, allow precision medicine to grow, to, to allow the uptake and access for patients, and also to spawn innovation because the diagnostic testing to find the aberrations or find the mutations are the linchpin that's going to enable precision medicine. So we spoke about it, 
But what are some of your ideas of how and why payers should reimburse for genomic testing? Yeah. So when it comes to um, reimbursement for genomic testing, we essentially are, are focused on that evidence development piece, which I sort of mentioned at the top half of our conversation. Um, we recognize that what, what payers' messages are to, to diagnostic companies in most cases is that you don't have enough evidence to convince us that, that we can, you know, in good faith, spend our resources on this and get a good return for patients and the health system. So what we've done and what we believe is, is extremely important to continue doing is to commission studies that will examine those questions of clinical and economic utility. And we've developed payer advisory committees that we share the results with them and discuss the process by which we're commissioning these studies throughout the the project so that we might demonstrate to them or or provide evidence that especially in areas of care where we know personalized medicine can have an impact such as non-small cell lung cancer or rare disease. Those are the two areas we are focusing on and we commissioned a study a year ago in non-small cell lung cancer. And what, what we essentially found is that actually next generation sequencing, specifically that kind of genomic sequencing in um, non-small cell lung cancer does have moderate cost effectiveness. And more importantly, and this is the real, the real finding of the study, is that it would have a lot more clinical and economic utility if there was not what we call a practice gap, meaning that there are times in which the test results suggest a patient should get a certain targeted therapy and the patient never got that targeted therapy. And as a result of that downstream uh, challenge, the test, the data suggests that the test is not clinically and economically useful in the way that it would be if the practice had aligned with the recommendations made in the test. And for us, that's a key finding because we understand that the test is only part of the equation and what's being done with the information is a big part of, of what personalized medicine is. And so we were able to highlight that in this study and we, and we believe that that's really important for payers to understand as they go into these conversations conversations about reimbursing for genomic testing. You know, that's one of our efforts. And then, you know, this year we're looking to commission another study on um, whole exome sequencing and undiagnosed disease, whereby perhaps a newborn or, or somebody is born with a, a clear disease, but they're not, doctors are not certain what that disease is. In many cases, these patients go through a, what people refer to as a diagnostic odyssey through which they are receiving care in many cases and receiving incorrect diagnoses and um, sort of incurring costs without feeling better, without treating the cause of the disease. And so one of the more promising areas for personalized medicine would be to use whole exome sequencing or other kinds of more comprehensive genomic sequencing at the front end of that patient's life so that one could identify faster what the actual problem is that they're facing and how we can intervene to to sort of improve it. So really all of it falls into that that bucket of evidence development. And we believe that that's a key driver of these conversations and catalysts for conversations about reimbursement for genomic testing that are more informed and more productive. Because at the end of the day, we meet very few people who say they prefer care that is not personalized, but we meet many people who say we're just not there yet when it comes to a reimbursement standpoint. So mm-hmm. we're very, very focused on that issue. Well, Chris, I got to tell you, you're certainly helped us sing our song and and we're trying to get a choir of voices to raise the awareness of the payers. And one of the places that this is happening 
that payers are coming to talk with pharma companies, that they're coming to talk to patients and also genomic testing companies is the Personalized Medicine Conference. Chris Wells, Vice President of Public Affairs for the Personalized Medicine Coalition, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Jerome. Appreciate it. And we want to thank Chris for being on the Precision Medicine Podcast. And of course, thank all of our listeners for joining us today. We hope you'll tune in for the next episode of the Precision Medicine Podcast. And don't forget, you can download full transcripts of today's episode at precisionmedicinepodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you probably know someone else who would too. So please tell them. They'll thank you. And so will we.